Hello, folks. Welcome back to On Texas Football. I am Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers, and I'm pleased to be joined by a fellow football theorist. He is the head football theorist at Inside Texas, also author of America's War Game over on Substack. Make it a part of your weekly prep. He is Ian Boyd. What's going on, Ian? How you doing, brother? Doing good. I'm real excited about this show. Oh, yeah, man. This is going to be great. And of course, we're not going to complicate it. He's a football theorist. I consider myself a football theorist. We're talking a lot of X's and O's, so we're just going to call it football theory, all right, here on Inside Texas with Ian Boyd and Rod Babers. I know you want to put me first, but we're going to go Ian Boyd and Rod Babers. That's the way I like because I'm a fan. And just so you know, full disclosure, I am a fan of your work. I have been a fan of your work. So I do I make it a part of my prep for the shows that I've done. So just so you know, I got a little fanboy working, so uh, I'm excited about it. No question. Yeah, even if that's true, we want people to listen to it, though. So <laughs> <laughs> That is also true. All right, let's get right to it. Let's not waste any time. Here's the topic on today's show. See, pretty much we all know that the featured wide receiver in Sark's passing game this season will be Xavier Worthy. There's no doubt about that. But one thing that we also know is that defensive coordinators will be game planning to neutralize and stop Xavier Worthy week to week. So how does Sark scheme Xavier Worthy open week to week and make sure that he has the breakout year that we all hope that Xavier Worthy will have in 2023? Now, first of all, Ian, I want to address the regression of Xavier Worthy. There's no doubt about it. In 2022, uh, he had a regression. And, and from that breakout year, the record-setting year in his freshman year, and by the way, for those who didn't keep up his freshman campaign, uh, he set records, freshman records for receiving yards uh, in a single season, uh, in a game, received receptions in a game, in a season, also most touchdowns in a game. I mean, he was electric. Uh, and last year, we saw some of those numbers dip. You saw uh, fewer touchdowns. As a matter of fact, four fewer touchdowns, 220 for fewer receiving yards. Ian, what were your thoughts about the regression? What do you think the main reasons were for the regression for Xavier Worthy last season? I think he was a, a little bit easier to find for defensive coordinators. Um, they had to play a lot of 12 personnel. They Sometimes they would play with six offensive linemen on the field. And if they weren't playing with six and they had Gunnar Helm out there, it's not like – I think Gunnar Helm could be a good receiver – but they weren't using him that way. He was out there to block, right? Um, they wanted to run the ball with Bijan or maybe Roshan. And the other wide receiver was Jordan Whittington, who's really naturally a slot. So I think Worthy was easy to find, easier to match up, and I think a little easier to jam and knock off his line. I'm curious what you think about that as a cornerback. Totally agree with that. I, I would I would try my best to get a jam to reroute Xavier Worthy. Uh, let's be honest, one of, the, one of the things that you can, may consider a shortcoming, a part of his skill set and the traits is that he is slight. He is a you know slight receiver, skinny, whatever you want to call it. But we know that Sark likes those guys. Sark likes the skinny speed demon wide receiver. Devontae Smith, I think, is kind of the ideal receiver and, and we know that he won the Heisman within Sark's office and strangely enough I got a great stat for you you'll, you'll love this and I got it from I hope, hope I get his name right Scott Bear he's a fantasy football guy so I, I steal the stat it's a really good stat uh since 2000 there have been 24 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft with a BMI body mass index of 25 or lower <laughs> all right 
But since Devontae Smith, so it's what, 2021, so we're talking about the last three drafts, 10 of those 24 were drafted in the last three drafts. And I'm not saying it was all Sark, but I will say I think Sark, he gave the NFL a nice instruction manual on how to use those guys. Because the NFL was afraid of slight skinny-ish wide receivers, especially really high. They'll draft them later on, mid-rounds, late rounds, but they didn't want to draft them high. They're like, no, nah, man, these guys, they don't have the high end. We can't maximize and weaponize their potential. Sark actually did show them you can do it, and there are ways to do it. We'll get into some of them today, but I love that stat. And 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 by the way, X-Men is going to be one of them. Uh, Devontae Smith, BMI, by the way, 23, 23.1. That's how skinny he is, six foot 170. Didn't he leave one of those behind at Washington too, Ross? For Chris Peterson, that was just like that. I think you're right. He just retired. Didn't he just retire? I believe he set the record at the combine. Uh, is that John Ross, right? I believe that's the oh, same yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that one. Yes, yeah, so you're right about that. Yeah, so Sark, he's always had a type, and Xavier Worthy is definitely that type. I'll give you one more stat just to confirm the regression of Xavier Worthy and where I, I think, where I think, um, really the. The, the, the main factor uh, in his regression, I think when Ex Isaiah Nayor went down last season, you know, Sark has been stubborn, Ian, and you know this, because I've heard you, uh, I've actually read your stuff about it, and you've documented too, that the, the deep ball is integral, right? The deep ball is a, a huge part of the kind of the psychological damage that he wants to inflict on a, an opposing defense and how he wants to set the tone. And, he didn't really have a deep threat once Isaiah Nayor went down. Let me know if you think this about a, a Jay Witt. I've said that, why can't Jay Witt be a deep threat? I've been asked this. And when I watch film, have you noticed that when Jay Witt is targeted on deep balls, he never catches it over the shoulder? He always wants to turn and, like, and, and, and target the ball instead of catching it over the shoulder, which oftentimes can screw with the trajectory that the quarterback has you know thrown I, it's weird I, I see it all the time let me know if i'm way off maybe i'm just you know seeing things uh that's your uh professional eye i had not noticed that but okay you know honestly i mean you don't even see him get targeted that much he so. doesn't it's, it's very right actually he i don't have a, a large sample size say this it's very small sample size no that's i'm gonna be looking for that now to see if, um, see if he's yeah. always goes for the the body contortion I mean, he's obviously more comfortable in the slot where he's he sees the ball come in. He's like looking at it, right? Yes, exactly. He doesn't have to, doesn't have to find it. He's, he can see it the whole way. So uh, it makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so I, I think when he did, I don't think Sark really, you know, believes in Jay Witt as a deep threat. Casey right. Kane was inconsistent. And Isaiah Nayor, he could be that guy, but he went down. And that's why I think he's decided to load up on wide receivers this year because he wants to make sure he's got contingency plans. But then he tried to pigeonhole and typecast X-Men into the deep threat. Uh, I'll give you the A dot, the average depth of target for uh, Xavier Worthy over the last two years. Last season, 17.6 average depth of target. His yards after the catch per reception, 5.4. He was a yak monster, as you know, in, in year one, 8.5 yards after the catch per reception in 2021 with a 13 average depth of target. So pretty much the, 
the, the extra yards, the three or four yards that he used to gain yards after the catch, he lost that last season. And they basically added that with the, his average depth of target. So he was the deep threat, and he was not a very good one. I mean, he did have four touchdowns, I believe, on deep balls, but only nine of 44, I believe, on deep targets. So I think that was a big part of the regression. And here are the numbers to back it up. Xavier Rorty, third lowest completion percentage when targeted last season among the most 30, the 30 most targeted FBS receivers, lowest single season receiving yards among that group, third lowest yards per target among that group, and fewest receiving yards per game among that group. Yeah. Those are good stats. I mean, it got, I mean, you look at his raw numbers and they look solid. Not amazing, but solid. Yeah. But when you add in when you have like when you have a stat that's like catches, yards, and touchdowns, you're missing the big one, which is targets. Like, what did it take to get those numbers? And with with Worthy last year, it took way too much to get those numbers. It was very inefficient. That's a great point. So this is what we'll discuss: How do we uh, streamline uh, the the targets? For X-Men, how do we make those more efficient and more effective targets this season? Because they're going to have to be. You got too many weapons now. You got to spread this ball around. You're going to have JT Sanders. You got A.D. Mitchell in the passing game, too. Hopefully, Jay Witt gets some. But we know X-Men is going to be the featured guy. So how do you scheme X-Men open when you know defensive coordinators are game planning to stop that one guy? Uh, my first concept I want to bring up to you, Ian, is a conceptual signature for Sark that I'm sure that you are very familiar with. It's pre-snap motion and targets to motion. Uh, Sark is really big about targets to motion. Um, he's been big about it. I, I want to say that, and I, I would love your thoughts on this, Ian. If you studied Sark's offense, have you noticed before, prior to Atlanta, did he use a lot of pre-snap motion? Or was, was it something that Shanahan, following the Shanahan regime in Atlanta, he was using to really to, to, to transition that offense? From Shanahan's offense, his offense, I know that's when he started using a lot of two tailback sets because Shano uses a lot of 21 personnel. Shano is Kyle Shanahan, for those who don't know. And I wanted, I, I really wanted to go do a deep dive and haven't yet, and I know you do it all the time. Was Sark into pre-snap motion a lot prior to Atlanta, or was Atlanta really kind of the place where he decided, you know what, it works for Shanahan, it's a great cheat code, I'm going to add it to my offensive DNA? I want to say that he had it before then. Okay. All right. I can't remember specifically uh, how much he did it at USC and whatnot, but I know that Kiffin was all about that. That's true. They, they both came from Norm Chow and USC under Pete Carroll. So I would assume he already had that, but I don't, I mean, far be it for me to say he didn't pick up more in the NFL. No, no, no. I, I guess I haven't done the deep dive. I was just wondering about that because I know, well, That'd be worth a look, right? Yeah. Or or asking him maybe next time we get that might be worth it. Yeah, just to ask him because he's pretty upfront about that stuff. And he also has talked about his admiration for that coaching tree of the Shanahan clan, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVeck. Getting back to it, targets to motion. One of my favorite stats in the world. Targets to motion is basically a target to a player who was uh, in motion at the time of the snap or prior to the snap. And I think targets to motion for a guy like Xavier Worthy really could be a more effective and efficient way to get him the football. How about this stat for you? Here's the last three years. So I even went back to Alabama. All right, his last year at Alabama. Here are the completion percentages and yards per attempt on targets to motion in his offense. 
Let's go yards per attempt first. 9.8, 8.4, and 10 yards per attempt. Last three years when his quarterbacks are targeting motion. And by the way, that's four different quarterbacks. That's Mac Jones, Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, Quinn Ewers. Different quarterbacks in there. Completion percentage on targets to motion. 100% with Mac Jones. He, had, he didn't have one incompletion. He had not one. He was 17 of 17 uh, in that year in Alabama when they targeted a guy in motion or at the time or prior to the snap was in motion. Um, 81% completion percentage at Texas and 80.5. He should do it more. And I think that for X-Man moving him around and you're talking about a guy that, you know, he is slight. So, you know, that's another way to avoid defenders getting their hands on Xavier Worthy is just to keep him in constant motion. Yeah, Matthew, give us uh, Exhibit 1 real quick. So um, this is going to be, yep, this was like one of their main ways to throw the ball down the field last year. And Worthy would have been the Z on the bottom, not the X. So he's fixed in, he would be fixed in the boundary. Defense knows where he is. Hard to move around because he's playing on the line of scrimmage. That's the thing about motion. You can't motion if you're on the line of scrimmage or else your offense is going to end up in a, in an illegal set and it'll, you'll get flagged. Um, Exhibit two, Matthew. This one will be Xavier worthy playing the X receiver to the field. And uh, in exhibit two, when we get in in a moment, he's off the line of scrimmage before the snap and he's able to motion. And not only is he able to motion, which is helpful Right, just to just to move around and make the defense think, but uh, in this in this diagram, I got to draw the X's and O's, so I got to have the offense bump the nickel and the cornerback inside, so then now Worthy is matched up on N for nickel rather than C for corner, and he's got a little more room to work, and then they run a post wheel, and the nickel has to turn and chase him down the field instead of a cornerback. Some nickels like Jedi Baron could maybe handle that. Most nickels, especially in the Big 12, they are not future NFL defensive backs. They cannot turn and run with Xavier Worthy on a wheel route and keep up with him. So, um, you know, you want to increase the uh, you want to increase the efficiency on a on a deep route for a guy like Worthy who's slide and fast. Get him away from the corner. Get him away from press coverage and let him run on a second or third best defensive back on the team. On a, on a concept like the wheel. I love that because essentially what it does, you're creating space. The defense wants to restrict space. They want to take space away from the offense. And it's just, you just you just created a bunch of space. The DBs have to back up, and then they have to respect the fact that you have the receiver stacked. And then once they back up, then you're allowing for a free release for Xavier Worthy. And you talked about it. Now you give them a two-way go. And I can tell you the defensive back. There's as I was a corner and I love the sideline as my extra defender because I, I knew where my leverage was. I played nickel two in the slot in, and I can tell you, man, that is a grown man's position because having to defend a two way go in the slot where the guy has as much space inside as outside. It is a Herculean task. It is. And I respect all the slot defenders in the big 12. But like you said, they ain't all going to the NFL. <laughs> Rod. I'm going to put you on the spot here and then maybe you'll never want to do the show again. Go ahead, brother. Were you ever hunted in your career 
where you're like, oh my gosh, this offensive coordinator is after me. And he's trying to get Xavier Worthy on me. And this sucks. Ian, oh my God, I'm glad you asked that question, bro. I was constantly hunted. I was on the opposite side of Nathan Basher, who was the all-time for the all-time lead in interceptions at Texas, and Quentin Jammer, who was a top 10 pick. If you were an offensive coordinator, you were game planning, who are you going after? Quentin Jammer and Nathan Basher, or are you going after that other guy? I was always the other corner. <laughs> the, the opposite of a really great elite guy. So, man, I did. I got it. I remember them games where they were, pick, they were picking on me. I straight up coming to pick on me. And honestly, it was, to this day, it was one of the things that made me into the best player that I could be. Uh, because th there's nothing more insulting for a defensive back than a, co a coordinator deciding to coordinate their game plan around you as a liability. <laughs> right? So you're right, man. I was hunted. I, I, I was the other corner. Now, so I, I'm down with that. This is, what, this is what football theory is about, baby. We can ask them real questions. I like that. Uh, but yeah, targets to motion. I think, and I love your uh, your exhibit there too. It's a big, I think, a, a big reason why Stark uses so much motion. It creates space when there is none. It creates space when there is none. Uh, by the way, I found this little stat, and I think you know we'll have them on football theory. We'll have to throw some guests on because you have a lot of you do a lot of great work with a lot of other football theorists. And you know, you know, stats of war. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, does great. It's worth the follow. People just follow him. Um, according to his research, you look among power five skill players. Uh, he claims Xavier Worthy is in motion uh, as a, a top 10 uh, most frequently players that are in motion in all of the power five. So he's already in motion a lot. And oh. what we're claiming right now is that you target him when he's in motion, though. More hmm. targets to motion. Um, okay. Keep, keep yeah. it coming. Pretty much. That's all we're asking. Do more of what works, and there's no doubt that targets to motion works and putting Xavier Murray on the move works. Let's go to another concept that I, I, I know you've talked about this, and I've done a deep dive on. It's one of my favorite concepts in football at any level. It's a great way to hide skill players. And honestly, the truth is, I'll get your thoughts on it. I believe empty formation with a dual-threat quarterback is probably the most stressful situation you can put on a defense. What do you think? Let me add one more. Go ahead. A quick thinking quarterback too. Cause if it's like, like Aaron Rodgers it has like in the NFL was like deadly and empty. Yes. He had one year. I remember where like, they did not have protection at green Bay and they're like, okay, let's, uh, let's get you more blockers and protection. And he was like, no, 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 no. These blockers all suck. <laughs> get less blockers so I can get the ball out. And he just shredded people. Um, he's pretty mobile too, obviously, and just generally great. But like, yeah, Ellinger was deadly and empty. Um, Dugan, Duggan at TCU mm -hmm. scored, I think, 45 touchdowns on empty runs against Texas over <laughs> years as a starter. Um, <laughs> When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You know, Kansas State used to do that. Yep. Johnny Football. Oh, yeah. I starts in the SEC on that all day. Yep. All day. Yeah. No, I'm, I, 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 I got obsessed with it. Uh, just quick, and we'll move on here and talk about it. But remember that that Super Bowl where the Patriots beat the Rams, yes. and the only touchdown scored. Yes. The freaking Patriots ran twenty-two personnel, two backs, two tight ends, out of empty formation. Mm-hmm. And when they asked Wade Phillips about it and why, you know, how you couldn't defend it, why you couldn't adjust to it, he basically the research had showed them that only eleven times, eleven instances, the entire season, all sixteen teams. Uh, sorry, all 32 teams, all 16 uh, uh, weeks or 17 weeks of the season, only 11 times had it happened. And you, there's no game planning for that. There's no scheme for that. You you can't really, uh, uh, you know, as a coach, come up with an effective game plan for something that you really haven't seen at all in the NFL. That'd be a fool's errand. And the Patriots broke it out and won the Super Bowl with that concept. So that's when I became obsessed with it. And I've been following it ever since. And I've been tracking Texas out of empty formation ever since as well. And it is a great way to hide personnel. First of all, you, you hit the nail on the head, In You need a quick thinker. It speeds up the internal clock of the quarterback. Quarterback knows I got to get the ball out very, very quickly. Um, but also it forces defenses to show their hand. You cannot have pre-snap shell disguise with empty. You got to get to your alignment and assignment right away. You cannot take that kind of chance. And that's why I love it too. It cleans up the read for the quarterback a little bit too. And, and I'll just throw this out there too. Empty sets, Washington game in the Alamo Bowl. That was actually the best we've seen Quinn Ewers out of empty guys. He was seven and eight. He was comfortable getting rid of the football. I think we're going to see more of this concept going forward and the explosive play potential. I've been tracking explosive play rates, 15 plus yard plays out of this with Sam 10 plus yard runs out of this. Well, because Bam Bam Sam was really good. You're talking about upwards of 20% explosive play rate out of empty set. And it's been pretty consistent for Texas. I think that's a great way to hide uh, Xavier Worthy, man, just moving him around, manipulating matchups. And real quick for our, for our viewers and listeners, empty means everybody on the field is, besides the quarterback in the line, is out of the backfield. They're all in position to run down the field. So what this does to your defense that's so damaging that stops them from pre-snap disguise like Rod's saying or having manipulating matchups and whatnot is that all the linebackers, their coverage assignments are normally guys in the backfield, running back, fullback, tight end, whatever, maybe spy the quarterback, something like that. If you spread everybody out so there's no one in the backfield, that means the linebacker's coverage assignment also leaves the box and also goes out there. So that's why I like Duggan would <laughs> – that's why Duggan would take it down Main Street on Texas all the time from empty. It's because the linebackers would get spread out. They'd be covering somebody, 
they turn their back they'd lose their focus and then Duggan's running down, you know, off tackle. Um, but even if they don't have to worry about the quarterback, they got to go defend in space now. Yep. And you can manipulate the matchups. You can, you can make the, you can make their guy, the running back, you can send him out way out wide. And now the linebacker's like, okay, coach, am I supposed to run out there on the sideline and cover like Rod Babers or do I stay <laughs> inside? But maybe inside is Xavier worthy. So now you want me to run with Worthy? Like there better be safety there, you know. Uh, <laughs> Time just, out, coach. Time out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the ultimate team I've ever seen it. A lot of teams have done this well, but the ultimate team at this was 2019 LSU. Yes. They yes. were deadly, un, unfair, unstoppable. Yep. I totally agree. And strangely enough, uh, when the Bengals played the Rams in the Super Bowl, those two teams were first and second in empty formation usage, because like you said, they just took his concepts that worked at LSU and were like, you know what? Hell, let's just, let's use it. And we even got one of his weapons, Jamar Chase. And that's a great point. This is why Ian Boyd is a better football theorist than myself. I'll just throw that out there because football theory is just a, it's a classroom. It's about being a student of the game. And I just rushed into empty without even explaining exactly what it was. So thank you for breaking it down. And I appreciate that, man, no doubt. But once you, once you hear Ian break it down, you understand why it, it could be so effective for a guy like Xavier Worthy. You can manipulate matchups across the board and you can even get funky with it. And you could, you know, you could put, you know, a guy like Savion Red or if he's healthy or whatever, I'm knocking on wood here, uh, put him in the backfield as a runner uh, and spread guys out and then go empty set. Hell man, you got pretty much matchup advantages across the board. You can get really, really wild with it. So that's another great, I think, concept that Sark can use to uh, scheme open Xavier Worthy. Uh, another uh, concept, and you really kind of already got into this with one of your uh, exhibits that you show earlier with one of your diagrams, but bunch, bunch formations. And bunch formation, for those who don't know, uh, that's when you uh, cluster a group of wide receivers together. Um, sometimes they call bunches when you do two wide receivers. We used to call it just stat, that they're stat. Uh, but sometimes people refer to that as a bunch. Um, and, but usually I, I like a cluster of three. Um, do you consider it kind of a bunch? And Sark loves this. He also loves what we call condensed sets. Um, and that's when you bring the formation closer to the line of scrimmage. And you got those bunch formations right outside or flex kind of right outside the tackle or right right beside the, uh, the offensive line there. And he believes that creates space on the outside uh, when you can do that. So bunch sets, and the beauty of it is, Ian, and you already kind of pointed out in the diagram, you, you essentially force defenses to be uh, on their heels, right? Instead of them being the aggressor, trying to reroute wide receivers, oh man, they have, to, they have to read and react pretty much to a bunch formation rather than trying to reroute guys. Yeah, the big thing with bunch, to your point, is like if you got like three guys clustered, cluster is a great word. You got three guys clustered, the defense has to wait and see who comes out of the cluster and where they go. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. – you can't say, well, I got this guy, and then he runs and takes you way away from where you're supposed to be. Like, defenses have rules to try to make sure that people stay covered. And so a lot of times the way rules work against those is you wait and see who goes where, and then you figure out who you're covering, um, which sometimes teams do that well and they get it right. Even if you do um, – you can't jam and you can't press. Can't jam. So you got the 170 pound skinny 10, 500 meter guy and you can't jam him and you got to wait and see where he goes and then pick him up 
well, that sucks. That sucks. <laughs> I'm glad you put it like that. It's like the DBs would describe it. That sucks, coach. Yeah, still got to do it. I'm glad you went into that, Ian, the rules. Because my man Shano, Kyle Shanahan, he has a great uh, just kind of saying that, you know, he's a lot of his offense is built on troubleshooting to find out what the rules of the defense are. Like you said, every defense has rules that really do kind of uh, bind the structural integrity of the defense. And he's like, I'm just trying to figure out what those rules are so I can violate them habitually, right? <laughs> so I can violate the rules. And basically what we're talking about is these are concepts that pretty much violate the rules. You basically went over that in empty. Empty violates a lot of the rules uh, that defense is built on. Uh, bunch sets can do that as well because they force defense to read and react. And like you said, and I'll ask you this too. This will say a lot about you, Ian, whether you're a defensive-minded football theorist or an offensive-minded football theorist. Uh, is it a rub route or a pick route, man? Rub route or pick route? Which one is it? Uh I, I think I'm a little more defensive oriented, but I just call it a rub route. <laughs> you're not cheating. You're not trying, you know. Hey, I want, I want my offense to, to, to be rubbing it, but I, I'm a, I always thought of them as pick routes, but it's like tax evasion and tax avoidance. You know, it, it depends on what side <laughs> you're on that. Um, but getting back to it, though, the bunch formations, Sark loves them. And you'll see a lot of his opening script. He'll have a lot of those bunch formation and condensed sets. So this is something that Sark is already doing, just like the empty sets, just like targets to motion. And what Ian and I are basically pointing out is we need to up these concepts with higher, disproportionately higher success rates uh, to try to scheme open a guy like X-Man. So bunch formation, another way to do that. And here's something else kind of funky that it's 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 become a, I don't say if it's a new age uh, concept, but it's definitely something that's become more popular in the NFL and at the college level in the last five or six years, putting receivers in the backfield. You just brought up the rules and rules of defense. And I'm glad you brought that up because this is a perfect way to talk about how some concepts are just, they're meant to violate the rules of a defense and putting a wide receiver in the backfield. That is definitely a violation of the highest order <laughs> of the rules on defense because at the corner is supposed to be covering that guy. You got him now in the backfield. There are rules about who covers who in the backfield and that kind of stuff. That could be a great way to scheme X-Man open. Yep. It's uh, Some people may remember Texas did this last year in the Alamo Bowl. All the good, All their good passing ideas came up in the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> I think you have to conclude that that was, you know, they had to because they didn't have Bijan and Roshan. That's true. They the couldn't point just yeah. around and hand it to those guys anymore. True. But I think also a lot of this stuff, <clears throat> Quinn Ewers was not ready to do it earlier in the year. Like so a lot of this stuff, like we're, we're saying that it makes it simple for the quarterback. Your receiver gets wide open, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all true, but only after the quarterback has learned, has learned the volume of it. You know, mm -hmm. like uh, you could have like a hundred really creative plays that are really simple for the quarterback. But if there's a hundred of them, it's still a hundred. He still has to learn a hundred of them before he can use them all, you know? And I think, I think that's a lot of this and why X-Man regressed and all that has to do with viewers uh, not having the full playbook to do all this stuff. But in the Alamo Bowl, they had a lot more um, and they put Casey Kane at running back. I don't know where the running back was. I don't know if he was on the bench. Yeah, I got to go back and look at it. I'm not sure. Out or what. But they had Casey Kane in the backfield. And then they had a bunch set. And it was condensed <laughs> to all your points. And then they had Casey Kane run a flat route out of the backfield. And so 
the guy that had to cover him was like a linebacker and he's inside of all the condensed receivers. And so he's dropping back and he's like, wait, is that a wide receiver I'm guarding? And then he's got to go cover him. And when he's on his way to do it, there's three guys running routes in his way. Mm. And he gets, he just does not get through that mess. Casey Kane is wide open. Um, I don't know how many yards they picked up on it, but it was like, it was fourth and three or less. Yep. And they got, they definitely got the three and I think a little extra. Um, you can just imagine if it's Xavier worthy running wide open in a bunch set from running back. That's, that's trouble. That's trouble. Yeah, that is trouble. And I just think it's, it, it, let's say, let's say the defense is eyeing Xavier worthy, right? And they're like, he, he lines up in the backfield. Like you're trying to hide him. You still have, violate the rules of defense if they're going to double him or scheme wise roll coverage toward him you just kind of changed up all of the responsibilities because you put a guy they were trying to double in the backfield how they gonna, exactly yeah, exactly so that's another and you know what that's a win that's a win for for the offense you force the defense to have to call a timeout to regroup or recalibrate things so that's another great way. I love that you brought up that example in the bowl game. That, that's the most recent game. We've already seen it. These are concepts that we're not asking Sark to do things that he's not comfortable with or asking him to explore a concept that he hasn't already shown you. We're just asking him to utilize them more to scheme open Xavier Worthy. Uh, all right, any last thoughts about things? We're prophets. We're warning of the coming wrath. <laughs> we're learning what's going to happen now that they have a little more experience under their belt. I got I got one more on this yeah. in the backfield. Matthew, give us exhibit three. Sweet. This is the play I call Ezekiel's wheel. Speaking of Old Testament prophets. <laughs> um, and it is a they Texas ran this a lot last year. It really messed with teams. It really messed with teams. You have the Z on top is running a post route, but it's not, it's just a distraction. They run inside zone, but they run it like a zone read, and the defensive end on the top is unblocked for the quarterback. They motion the X receiver from the other side of the field, runs all the way across the formation before the snap. Then he runs a wheel route. Then you have the tight end sliding across the formation like he's going to block the defensive end, but instead he runs into the flat. And uh, the quarterback has a couple reads on this play. And it was extremely effective last year. But Xavier Worthy was always the guy up top running the post route that just to distract teams and hold their attention so that they could get somebody else open. They never used Worthy on the flat route or the wheel. Hmm. This year, if they could get Mitchell or whoever running the post route and start motioning Worthy, hmm. they can throw to him the ball on the move on this RPO is – just that checkmate if they can hit if they that's, can hit. that's nice that's nice i can't believe they've never used him in that but you're right i can't re i can't recall it and i watch a lot of field just like you i can't really recall him being in that role either i noticed it like two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through the year and i was like oh they must be saving this <laughs> they must be saving this for something like something special or when they get really backed into a corner or something but it never happened. Never happened. So look out for it this year, though. Look out uh, for it. You know what? That's a good point. And usually you break tendency in big games. 
Because, you know, in big games, there's a lot of prep done by your opponent for those big games, Alabama. Uh, and that's when you break tendency because you know that they are really wise to your patterns and your trends. I don't know. Maybe Bama's the game. It happens. Maybe Bama's the game, man. I'm going to call that shot. Maybe that's what we see. it, Or maybe that's when we see a lot of these concepts, actually, because you're going to have to scheme them open versus Bama. We know that. No doubt. I um, hope Blue Thunderbolts isn't watching this either. <laughs> yeah, nobody don't nobody be sending this to Bama fans or some some other fan base. We don't need that. Keep this in the family, baby. On Texas. Uh, all right, Ian. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. this. Was awesome. I'm sorry we went a little bit long, man, but I had a lot of fun, and we're gonna be doing this uh, weekly. So we're picking a different topic. As a matter of fact, if y'all got any topics that y'all want us to dive into, hey, send those along the way. And then, man, Ian, we'll uh, we'll do our best as football theorists to break it down for you. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Rod.